welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Karen Kenny Show. I don't even know what episode this is. I'm still like high. Like I'm a little crazy and kooky and out of my mind right now. I'm still a little like, because we just got back from this incredible weekend. Uh, our dear friend, Amber Lillystrom uh, has the Ignite Your Soul Summit. And I think this is like the third, I mean, technically the third year, but I heard she did a little event like a few years ago. It was like first small event, but so third or fourth, whatever it is, it was incredible. And uh, I was uh, so happy and honored to share the stage with my friend Kate, uh, who just knocked it out of the park. Uh, that dress, by the way, I'm not even a girly girl. Like, I'm like in a hoodie. That pink dress, I was like, those heels in that dress, I was like, that is ballsy, man. Like, just like, oh, like up there all sassy. I was like, she's like, this is so good. Sorry. And we're back. I have very few opportunities to like dress up just like in my life with small children because um, they always have like snot and snacks. So when I get to, I just like go for it. Oh, it was, it was, it was, I was just like, man. And then I started laughing. I was thinking, oh, one year I'm going to have to come out dressed like that. And then just be like, well, whatever. I don't even know if I'm doing the event next year. But what I'm saying is be like, I was just kidding. <laughs> like, go put my trucks on or something. But I was just like, you guys, I just think there's something so powerful about a woman who comes out and she's just like owning it. I'm like, you were like in it. So, but anyway, you guys, I should probably introduce you to my friend before I go like all, all crazy over here. So Kate Northrup is, I mean, she's so many things that I always think bios are weird because I don't like yeah. to be like, I'm going to put all these labels on you now. But. <laughs> You're a mom, you're a wife, you're a, a coach, you have the origin program, you're a, a be, like, are you a best-selling author? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, best-selling <laughs> author. I know she has two books. Here's one, and we're going to talk about this sucker today, do less. Uh, I got my hands on this. I was so excited. Because who, you guys, who couldn't afford to do less, right? I don't care what, whatever you're doing in the world, we could all like slow down. Um, She's a, she just does like so much in the world. She's a speaker. She has a podcast with her husband. She's doing life. Her and her husband have a very integrated life. They have like meetings once a week where they sit down and talk about their week. Like they're really doing it together. It's so powerful and beautiful. She has two beautiful little girls who I had the pleasure of meeting at your event in Maine, yes. uh, which was really cool. And, uh, and I just got to spend like two days with you. So I, I, I've had you all to myself. So now I'm going to share you <laughs> with my friends. <laughs> so just thank you for saying yes. Uh, I know how busy you are. And so taking time out of your life to um, share with, with my people, my listeners is like such a treat. So thank you so much. So um, pleasure. why don't you just tell folks a little bit about yourself and, uh, and then we'll take it from there. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I love, I just, I've loved getting to know you over the last I mean, really, I think it's only been like six months or nine yes. months um, through our friend Amber um, yes. and then through uh, 
by way of Sarah Tangretti, who brought you to Portland for the Leverage events. So that was sort of really my first uh, dive, deep dive into your work, which is so amazing. So thank you for the work that you do. And um, yeah, so I live in Maine, not far from you. And I'm a New England girl as well. Um, I've got two little kids, a one-year-old, a three and a half-year-old, two little girls. Do uh, business and life with my husband, Mike. Um, And I've written two books, Do Less, like you talked about. Another one is called Money, A Love Story. Um, what else about me? Yeah, we have an online business. I started my business in 2010 because I'm a writer and I needed a creative outlet. So it wasn't actually a business. It was a blog. Um, and I did not know at that time that you could turn a blog into a business. I didn't know anything about anything. And so, (laughs) cause who knows? (laughs) <laughs> I just started trust, writing. Trust me. I started a whole business because one day I was driving and I just did my, I did my yoga teacher training like a gazillion years ago at Kripalu. And I knew I, I was like, I mean, making a living as a yoga teacher like 18 years ago was like insane in New Hampshire. So I was just driving everywhere. And then I was like, it'd be nice to open my own place. And it was like really late at night. It was like nine, well, it wasn't really late for some, most of you, but not, not late for me, but it was like nine o'clock at night and I was driving around the traffic circle and Epsom. And literally all of a sudden I heard a voice that said, go right. And to go to my house where I was going, I had to go straight. And they're like, go right. And I was like, man, and I just banged a right. And I went, and as I drove like a quarter of a mile down the road, there was a for rent sign on this building. And I had like no money. Like I was just starting out and I went in and, um, the building and there was a light on and I was like, it was a lawyer's office, like next door. It was like the old post office from Epsom, the building or whatever. And the guy was in there and he just, he was a lawyer. He brought me in. He's like, you seem like a good kid. I like oh you. Gosh. And he let me rent the place for like dirt cheap. It was like a miracle. It was like a total miracle. So I, I'd never written a business statement. I did everything on my credit card. I didn't know what I was doing. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's amazing. And I do think that like, so it's funny because I work with entrepreneurs. I have a, I have a membership of uh, nearly a thousand female entrepreneurs called Origin. And a lot of times, or like, you know, I'll have a friend who's starting a business and they're like, okay, great. So how do I write a business plan? And I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) I have never written one. I don't know what would go on there. I'm like, just start. Just, you know, yeah, you need to have a plan and something of value to offer for sure. Like, I don't think you can just sell whatever, but like, other than that, just get out there and start talking to people because it's the best way to, um, hone your craft and also to figure out what the heck it is that you're doing. I mean, in 2010, I was just writing about whatever. And then, you know, I ended up writing a book about money and now I'm writing about time and energy management. So, you know, you just, it doesn't have to be so Like, I just like to give people permission to pivot and evolve over time. It's not going to be what it's going to be. Like, it's not going to be 20 years from now the same as it is now because you're not going to be the same as you are now, right? Yes. And it's it's about totally, I just say like, you know, if it makes you like wherever your joy and your happiness is, people like, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm like, well, your only purpose really, if you are love, I would say if you are, who we really are is love. Our only job then is to extend that love. It doesn't really matter how you do it, what your title is, but it does matter that you're happy doing it. And I always say to people, where's your joy? What lights you up? What makes you happy? When you were a little kid, what were some of the things that you just did because they were fun? 
Yeah. Right. And then like trust that instinct. And yeah, it's helpful to know, like I knew like, all right, I got to probably hang a sign so people know I'm here. I got to maybe get a business card, like whatever. I'm like, I didn't even have a website. I had nothing. I'm like, I need some yoga blocks. I knew that some straps, like whatever the studio needed. And I just opened, I was just like, like whatever. And yeah. I think so many people get paralyzed, you know, out of their fear of they're not going to do it right. Well, here's yes. the good news. You're not going to do it right. You're going to screw up like a bunch, like a bunch of times. And, and it's okay. That's part of the deal. That is totally part of the deal. And even like, I don't know, Karen, what you had planned for your talk on Saturday. It was brilliant. I loved it. And I also just want to share that I forgot half of my talk and didn't say many of the things that I planned to say. And I was up there and I looked down at the clock and I was like, wow, I'm like already through all the stories I planned to tell. And I still have 20 minutes. So I guess I'll just keep talking. And then I got <laughs> off stage and I looked at my notes and I was like, oh, that's why I was done so early. I forgot this entire chunk, but I was like, how great. No one knows and no one cares. And I trust that what I said was the right thing that needed to be said. And so like, it's like, we're going to screw it up. But I always trust that the way I screw it up is the way that it was supposed to happen. Oh yeah. It's not actually the screw up. Like we label right. it the screw up, but actually it was perfectly divine. Like, and so we can talk about that in a second, but something you just said just triggered something. So when I want to talk about some of the things that you said on Saturday, because I thought they were really important. And one of the things you just said, um, which, which circles back or points to something you said on stage was you said like, where are you going to be 20 years from now? I was like, whatever. And I think I, I have recently transitioned from like being the yoga lady, like the yoga teacher, <laughs> even though, look, I've been transitioning for a long time. Like, you know how... You ever been in a relationship where like you left the relationship way before you actually ended it? Yeah. So when the time comes, like you're cool with it. You're like, look, I've been transitioning inside this whole time. It's just that you're starting to notice out there type of a thing. Yeah. So one of the things that you said was, you're like, here I was, I had written this really popular book on money. And I actually have that one too downstairs, awesome. uh, Money, A Love Story. And then you're like, I did this whole thing and I wrote this whole fucking book. And then it's like, I wrote it. And then you're like, meh, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Like you, yeah. some part of you had moved on and in whether, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So whether yeah. it was like, there's a deeper conversation to be had or that's all I have to say about it. Like you were like, did it. But now you're an author who now has to go out and do like the book Tory thing and like talk about this and whatever. So like, can you talk about that a little bit? Like, what was that like when you felt like, well, I delivered, like I gave, I did the baby, like I birthed it. Can I just go over here? And they're like, no, now you got to feed it. And like, you got to change the diaper. And you're like, but I don't want to do that shit. Like, yeah. I, I got it here. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you've been working on your book behind the scenes and like how intense that process is. Now, for the type of book that you're writing, it's a very different process than the type of books that I write so far. I mean, who knows? down the line what we might do, but I'm just saying like so far. And, um, and regardless of what kind of book you're writing, it's a lot of work and it's <laughs> right. I mean, it just like a lot goes into it. And, and you said something on the speaker panel that I thought was so brilliant about, you know, I'm really also not a fan of the, you know, I hope I'm probably going to offend somebody listening, but I'm really not a fan of the, like, you know, write your book in a long weekend workshops. I'm like, no, what? no. Because that can't be a good piece of work. There's no fucking way you can write a good book in four days. It's such bullshit. Amen. Be very mad. Amen. And so thank you for saying that during the panel. And also, um, 
by the time a book comes out, it is like you've spent I, a lot of time. A together. lot of time with that material. And, and I know for me, it's so interesting because I talk a lot about cycles and seasons in our creativity and in our projects. And for me, I really needed to be in a fallow period around the money stuff but the timing kind of sucked. Yeah. You were <laughs> I just didn't feel like really being out there, but then I was out there and I did it and I, you know, I did great. Like I really did great. And I rallied because sometimes we just have to show up for the thing. Yes. that's happening. <laughs> and so, and that's great. However, I knew that that wasn't going to be the path that I was going to keep. Yes. I wasn't going to keep going deeper on money. And I gave myself permission to really live in the question of, well, what am I going to keep going on for three and a half years? Um, now, it wasn't like I was doing nothing. Like a lot of people read the title of my book, Do Less, and they automatically assume do nothing. Right. Um, it's like they do this <laughs> like, translation. Let's, like, let's just explain that's not yeah. exactly what I was saying. It's not like I do plenty of things and I recommend yes, other do. people do plenty of things as well. Like it's not about doing nothing or being lazy. It's about <laughs> doing less of the things that don't matter and doing less of the things that don't bring you joy. And that oh don't my God. Yeah. So sorry to interrupt. I got so excited because the other day I was talking to somebody and I was trying to explain to them. And I go, look, it's not about doing more. It's about doing pure. Yes. About, I love that. It's about like really doing what's pure. And, um, and something that I found, I definitely, we're definitely going to talk about the new book and the cycles and everything, because I just find it so fascinating. And you could just see, like, uh, I was so excited because one of my best friends, Casey was there with her 18 year old. Oh, yeah, I met her. Oh yeah. And so uh, her daughter, Andy was like taking all these notes and Andy's 18 and she's like this little entrepreneur. Like she has a jewelry business. She does all these things. And I was like, Oh my God, she's athletic. And I was like, it's really great for her to be hearing this message. Cause look, when we were kids, like, and look, totally like I laugh. Cause I'm like, when we were kids, we didn't really talk. I'm like, well, actually, who am I talking to? You had an OBGYN for a mom. And that's we a whole other thing. a lot of things people don't usually talk about in my yeah, house. That's a, whole, that's a whole other things. But I knew, like, I was like a Lawrence kid. I came from Lawrence, Massachusetts. And I got my sex talk when I was really young, like when I was six, because I had older, uh, I had older stepsister, and uh, my biological sister's a year and a half older than me. And I think it was my stepsister, Kathy, was getting the talk from my mom. And we always had this book on the shelf uh, called How Babies Are Made. And it was like this little book with these little like figurines. And it was like, starts with the birds and the bees. And then there's a man and a woman with these little like, like it was almost like they were two dimensional like caricature figures. It was so fascinating. Yeah. And I would be like, what is that? It was like this little like paper penis thing. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I really learned at a really young age. My mother was... Um, not shy about sex and talking about the body. So I was prepared, but I, and I laughed so hard because I was such a tomboy. And I remember we, at one point in my life, we lived across the street from the ballpark and I was running up the street. My mother was sitting on the porch smoking a cigarette and she saw me. And when I came in the house, she's like, you know, we need to talk. And I was like, what? And she's like, I think it's time that maybe you start getting like a training bra. And I was like, no, like I was so pissed. Like I was like, no, 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 no. And I'm going to let you tell your version of this story in a second. And then I got my period, like for the first time when I was 12, one week before she died, basically. And I remember saying to her, when I got my period, I knew what it was. So it wasn't shocking, whatever, but I was so pissed. Like I did not want to be a girl. I did not want to become a woman. And I said to her, don't you dare like tell your friends like da 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 and then i came home later that night and she was on the phone like she had a waterbed and she was on the <laughs> waterbed 
My mother was like so great. My mother was so great. You would have loved her. And she's on the bed. And she's talking to one of her friends, talking about how I just, you know, I became a woman. And I was like, I was like yelling at her in her doorway. You betrayed me. You're a traitor. Like I told her, don't tell anybody. And I was horrified. Yeah. And then like she died. And so I moved her. She was killed. And so I moved into my womanhood kind of like, <laughs> like, yeah. so, like whatever. But I remember you saying on stage, and I found this fascinating because you had a mom who, like, this is the stuff she does for a living, women's bodies. So can we oh, yeah. talk about that? Because I, I think it's fascinating that you were so like, no. But now it's like the hot beat of where you are in your work. It's so weird. I can't even right. believe. Like, I, the first time I got on stage and was talking about my period, I was like, <laughs> why am I doing this? It's so weird. Like, right now you're like, oh, my like, But I can't, I'm compelled. And so I'm just, I keep listening and I keep doing it. And, um, but I just want to say, like, I still think it's weird. Partially because <laughs> I'm a child of our culture, which, you know, this, topic about like the processes of women's bodies are totally taboo. Um, and then also, you know, I don't know about you, Karen, but like, I find that sometimes I think the thing that we're meant to be doing is not always the most comfortable thing. <sighs> totally, totally. Like getting on stages is not like people, are, and that's a story for another day, but people are like, oh, you're such a natural Three people came up to me and they're like, you need a Netflix special. Like, you need to get on more stages. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, do you know how much effort it takes for me to get up there? Like, like you might think I make it look easy or whatever's happening, but we're often called to do the thing that literally scares the shit out of us. Exactly. Makes us wicked uncomfy. Or yeah, and it's just like, like, why am I doing this? Right. This is weird, but I just keep doing it. So, so similar to you, I was, um, although totally different, I was raised by this, you know, my mom is Christian Northrup and she wrote Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And she's like, I don't, like she is, you know, a really big deal in the world of holistic women's health. Yeah, and she so is. you would think that her daughter would be so excited about periods. <laughs> Because I was raised in a very, you know, in a very like female positive household to some degree. But here's the thing. I was still raised in this culture. My mom is still a product of this culture. So even though she like had these ideas of, of honoring of the feminine and like embracing it, she didn't actually live at a time, nor did she have a career that allowed her to actually do that herself. Well, you said something I thought was so fascinating. And one of the, well, what I just want to pivot for a second. One of the first things I find fascinating is I've met women over the years who like came from a little bit more, like, again, I grew up in the city, like hardcore, like it was like, yeah, here's the tampon. Oh, well, not even, I taught myself how to use tampons, but me too. Pad, like he, and then I taught my friends how to use yes, them. Yes, me too. Yeah, I'm like, all right, you take this, like this. And I love, you know what? Let me, let me just flash back to that scene. One of my best friends, uh, Jillian, um, I remember being in the bathroom with her, literally her on the toilet, legs spread, and me saying, you just take the thing. And there was such like an innocence. Like there's something about girls' relationships at that age when you're with your safe person, like nothing is off limits. I thought it was so amazing that we could, because her mother, her mother was um, the one who was murdered also, like later. So we both were growing up in this time where we didn't have moms there. Like her mom had some mental illness issues. So we weren't able to, so we were like mothering each other. It was yeah. so powerful. Yeah. Um, 
That's but amazing. Anyway, so I just think back to those moments when like we had to teach ourselves like some of these things. But mm -hmm. one of the things that you said on stage that I thought was so powerful was you said that women have, and I, if I flub it up, please correct me, something like, because I'm pulling it, I'm pulling it from up here. Women have learned most of their power from watching men. Oh yeah, we've we've learned how to be powerful from men. And you said and women have to understand, but their own power. You didn't say is enough. I wrote it down in my notes, but you said, let me see if I can find it. You said something like, um, we've learned to be powerful mostly from men, but women are powerful in their own way. And you went on to like, talk about this a little bit. And I just yeah. love what you said. Cause I was like, oh my God, she's so right. Right. Because what we're taught is powerful in this culture is, um, getting out there always doing things, being confrontational, being aggressive. I mean, the whole book, Lean In, is about masculine power and women having more of it hustle, in order to get grind. ahead in the workplace. Ugh. The hustle, the grind, the lean in, the push harder. And the whole premise is basically like, oh, the problem, the lack of women's leadership is because women aren't being enough like men. Yeah, but and that book really kind of like really rubbed me the wrong way. So yeah. and but, hence, you know, God bless Cheryl. Canberg. She's had like a, you know, she's had a hard time. So God bless her. Okay. Now, yeah. Yeah. So, and she's, she's on her journey and, um, and like the, so the, 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 now, by the way, also, like, I just want to say, and I know, you know, this and your listeners probably know this too, but it bears repeating that we all have within us the masculine and the feminine. I'm actually a pretty masculine woman. Like I, I, I lead with the masculine. I'm really good in the masculine. I'm excellent at that. I love those qualities in myself. They give me a lot of great results. So, um, and that. yeah, it's all good. And at the same time, our culture only celebrates as, as powerful, the traits of the masculine. And so what's so important to know is that the feminine can be just as powerful, if not you know, more. if not more so sometimes, I mean, yes. it's not about better or worse, but, um, and the feminine qualities are more about receptivity are, um, you know, I mean, the goddess Kali is also like, you know, the ultimate feminine, right? I mean, she's just like about burning shit down. So there's also that, like the feminine can be incredibly destructive in this, in this beautiful way. So the feminine isn't, isn't nice and isn't pink, but you that's know, like, Thing. Right? Yes. yes, like Sekhmet is one of my the, yes. the lion headed goddess. She's on my spiritual team. I and, love that. Yeah, and we forget that, like, because, but that just tells you something that the fact that we even have to like dissect it and give it with, but it's like the divine, the, the divine feminine or just the feminine, it, it, it's often contributed with weakness. Yes. Like, do you know how powerful these? Like the like you kept saying, we don't like to talk about periods, and yet we're all here because of them. We would not yeah. be possible without them. They are responsible for human life, like oh. and and the feminine cycles are responsible for all life on Earth, not just not just humans, right? And I know yes. that obviously, like the animal world is so hugely important to you, it is to me as well. And so that that part is, and obviously, like the entire Earth is cycles and seasons. You know, Mother Earth has these four distinct seasons. Our bodies every month go through those exact same four stages. Yes. And then the moon every month goes through those same exact four energetic stages. And when I realized that those three things were all the same, that the menstrual cycle, that the four seasons on the planet and the four lunar phases were all the same like energetic signature four phases, 
I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> anyway, so, yes, I remember what? you talking. I remember you talking about this at Origin, yeah. and you were kind of like, you were kind of like resisting that you were having these awarenesses. Like I remember you talking about, like you're like, what? I don't want to talk about this. Like, why is this coming to me? And I always say, of course, Miracle says individual curriculum. Like you got your assignment, and you were like, really? Like this? Like. Uh, but then like yesterday, no, two days ago when you were talking on stage, you could literally, so I'm kind of like, uh, it's so funny. Like I'm one of those people as a writer, we're chronic eavesdroppers, wicked curious, <laughs> too curious for my own good sometimes. <laughs> but part of my greatest joy, people are like, oh, like you love to go see your play, your sweetie play. My sweetie's a professional musician. And I'm like, one of my greatest joys, yes, is seeing him in his element. But one of my other greatest joys is watching people watch somebody I love in their element. So I was just looking around, you're doing your thing and I'm looking around and it was like, you could see all these little light bulbs going on. Like we were in a like, what? Why hadn't we thought about this before? You know why? Because nobody wants to fucking talk about it. You know why? Because women aren't that important. Like our cycles, those things are just like, eh. She's on the rag. Oh, remember when we were kids? I would be like, you talked about this too. Somebody'd be like, oh, she's on the rag. You know, she's being a bit. Like, and so much of the word bitch and bitchy in my memory as a young person had to do with girls when they had their period. Mm-hmm. And right, I'm always like this entire discounting because our culture is terrified of feminine power. Because when feminine power comes to rise, a lot of things that are happening right now will no longer be able to happen. I mean, the entire Me Too movement is feminine power. It's speaking up, it's speaking the truth, and then burning shit down. And I mean, there's a lot of different types of feminine power, but that's one of them. (laughs) No, but there is. But I think one of the ones we know, we know, like, I think it's embedded in us. Like, I don't care what age you are when your mother dies or when, because your mother can leave in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to women about this uh, and the, the book Motherless Daughters like was such a gift to me when I was a kid, when Hope Edelman wrote that book, I got it like hot off the press, like in LA. Like I was like, I need that book. But your mom could be mentally ill. She could be addicted. She could just be absent, just not able to care for you for whatever reason. So a lot yep. of, a lot of, you know, moms go missing. But I think as a culture, we accept that moms equal, not everybody's personal experience, but universally moms equal nurturance, moms equal sweetness. Nobody will ever like you, love you like your mom. And when your mom dies or goes, um, there's a fierce uh, grief that happens that's different than any of the things. So we all agree that women are loving and usually compassionate and blah, blah, blah. But not everybody has gotten on board that women are fierce and women are powerful and women are the way makers and women will make a fucking way where there is no way. Yes. Just like water. Just like water. I mean, women are really like that element of the, the flow that makes a way where there is no way, but there was no way before. Like it always gets through. And it's sort of like, um, if you're, you know, if you've, studied martial arts at all it's like the energy of aikido where it's move you know it's it's like this subtle strength of moving the energy in the direction it was already going to working with the way it's going working with as opposed to working against and um and my mom i don't know who said this originally but i've heard my mom quote it before that a good a, a, a helpful way to remember kind of like the masculine and the feminine is that the the masculine asks the question what is worth dying for? And the feminine asked the question, what is worth living for? Oh, 
That is so powerful. People at home, people at home, say it one more time. So the masculine asks the question, what is worth dying for? And the feminine asks the question, what is worth living for? Two very important questions. They're just different. Yeah, I'm going to let that, I always like to take that little pause and let it sink in. And so, look, I'm always thinking, like, I, I literally, I have so many questions and thoughts, like just weirdo, little weirdo things that I like, want to ask you. But for the people that are listening, I really want them, people who haven't gotten their hands on your book yet, um, I want them to be intrigued and to learn more about this. And so go out and buy the fucking book. That's just all I'm going to say, because it's, re- you guys, seriously, um, you know me, if you listen to this show, I have one guest a month. The other times, the other three times, you got to listen to me. And I only bring on people that I think, well, first of all, people I love. (laughs) People that I'm fascinated by. People that I think are remarkable. And I use the word remarkable on purpose. It's worthy of making a remark about. Mm. And so Kate's doing some stuff in the world that I think is really important. And as a kid who did not grow up in the feminine, and I, I was talking about this the other day, how as a kid who lost my mom really young, I got a lot of independence. I got a lot of grit. I got a lot of like hardiness, like toughness. Uh, and, and, and that's that survival masculine energy. I did not get enough tenderness. Mm. I did not get enough tenderness. And so I'm learning that more as I go on and on and on. So this book is so powerful. So you had touched on Wicked Briefly. You were, you were putting together the four cycles of the seasons, the moon, and a woman's cycle. So will you just, like, if you, if you feel like it, you can do whatever you want. Will you just talk to them a little bit about this and um, how they can use it? Because I want them to get some really good value. How they can use this in their personal life or their professional life. Totally, totally. So I'll just go over the four energetic signatures and, and which ones go together with each okay. one. Yep. So there's winter time, and the winter time is the same energy as the new moon, and it's the same energy as when a woman has her period. That is the time when it looks like nothing is happening, but there's a lot happening like deep below the surface. And it, for a woman, it's actually the time, and also I noticed this too during the new moon, because you know many women don't cycle for whatever reason. This could be you've had a hysterectomy, it could be you're pregnant, it could be you're postmenopausal, like there's so many reasons. So no matter who you are listening, this applies. Okay. So that's the time when you're actually the most wired to be uh, connected to your intuition or to, you know, to your spiritual team. Um, yes. Of course, we have access to them every day, but, yes. the, but it's, the volume is stronger for like five days a month. And I heard in this really great book called Wild Power, um, written by um, Shawnee Wurlitzer and Alexandra Pope, that uh, they suggest to their students, they run a, a place called the Red School, which is all about like accessing the power of your menstrual cycle. They suggest to their, pay, um, their clients that, they, that instead of sleeping on things, that they bleed on things so that they like save their biggest questions for, either, for, for when they have their period. But I also like to bring in to just for the new moon. Um, it's like in the darkness, we find the, the answers. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's why, like, like, so these seasons and cycles, I am going to finish going through them, but I just I have a tangent right now because you talk about this daily spiritual practice and how important it is. And the seasons and cycles are in the macro and the micro. Our entire lifespan has these four energetic signatures. Every year has these four energetic signatures and every day has them too. And when you're building in those times to check in with your spiritual team, you're building in the pause and the reflection. And, and you talk about how critical that is 
for our lives. And so it's critical for our lives on a micro on the daily, but then also a little bit more macro on the monthly to know that there will be this period of time where you're going to get the biggest insights and you won't have to spend as long thinking about things because the answer will be so clear immediately. Yes. And I think that we, that is so powerful and so spot on. And I think it bumps up against this, like, um, and I talk about it with people a lot when they're trying to find their purpose and they don't know what to do. And da, 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 da. And I say, winter is like, I call it standing in the hallway and there's a lot of fucking doors and you're like, I don't know what door to go in. And like women get so freaked out when they're in a time of not taking action because they feel like they're being lazy and they're not doing because we live in a culture that's always telling us to do more. And it's like, you've got to be like my, my, my writing men said, and that's what these, these earmuffs are a nod to him, Andre Debus the third. Um, he always says like, you have to be pregnant with a book. Like you have to be pregnant, w whether it's a project or a real baby or like, there's a time where you just have to be in the, in the stillness. You call it what the fertile void, the fertile void. Yeah. Yeah. You call it the fertile like, void of a project. Yeah, you have to just be in the space where that's the time where we're receiving. So when we talk about spiritual practice, I sometimes say, you know, praying is when we're talking and meditation is when we're receiving. And there has to be a period of quiet and pause and reflection or whatever. So, you know, but it, so a time when like that, like when you think about winter, like even the bears are hibernating, but they're storing up all this energy, like they're taking what they need. So when spring comes, they can literally spring, like they can yeah. move yes. forward, right? Yes. So, yeah. So sorry. No, it's like, excited. you know, it's like a, the, um, the bow being pulled back, the tension. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's gaining momentum, really. I yes. mean, I do believe that the more deeply we rest, the more momentum we have when we then take action. And listen, there's a little bit of a difference between like stasis and depression and rest. And so like, that's kind of a different conversation for a different day. Yes. But um, the next phase is the springtime energy. It's the uh, follicular phase in a woman's cycle. So the, the time right after her period. And it's the waxing moon when the moon is moving from new to full. It's getting bigger. It's, it's um, well, it's not actually getting bigger. It's just getting lighter. Yes. And so that is the time of new beginnings, of planting seeds, of brainstorming. Literally in your body, your brain is wired to be great at brainstorming during that time <laughs> and initiating and planning. Like it's such, it's, we all know what springtime feels like. It's exciting. It's new beginnings. It's fertile. It's like, it's we're fertile. It's, out, right? it's a wonderful, like it's, it's a wonderful energy. Our culture celebrates that energy a lot. I love the energy. It's just like such a good time. It's a good time to start things. And then the next one is the summertime energy of the of same as the full moon, same as ovulation. This is our time of peak availability for cross-pollination, literally and metaphorically. It, it is your time of being the most fertile and available for being impregnated, literally, but sure. also metaphorically. And my friend Megan Watterson actually uh, does this meditation, which I think is so cool, during her ovulation where she calls it her egg meditation. And, um, and she just like asks for what she wants during when she ovulates because because she's not trying to get pregnant, but like yeah. energetically- you want, you want other things to-, to Right, answer. or you could do it when you're trying to get pregnant, but like energetically, we're all trying to get pregnant with something. Yeah, sure. So, so like using that time to attract what you want. And then it's also a time where uh, your brain will be wired to make you the most fluent um, verbally. Yeah. I'm obviously not ovulating right now because I'm like, <laughs> 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 but you know, if you, if you are able to organize, listen, 
the idea of organizing your projects around this is something to shoot for. It's not like the daily reality of living in this world. So I recommend looking at these four things and just becoming aware of how you're feeling throughout the month and like whether you're cycling or not, tracking with the moon and just and just like noticing how you feel and if you can start to pick up these energetic signatures and start to see the pattern and then maybe pepper 5% of your tasks that week throughout that that match up with the thing that you know you're energetically poised to do. So if you know you're in your follicular phase or if you know it's the waxing moon, could you spend an hour this week brainstorming on a project to just honor that energy? But it doesn't have to be like the whole thing because I think that's impractical. Yeah. And then you had said something that was really interesting where, and again, if I flub it up, because there, there was a lot of input this weekend, but you said something, I think, about how one of the ways we kind of sabotage ourselves or exhaust ourselves is we go back and forth between spring and summer, spring and summer, but we don't ever like do the touchstones yes. out here. So we skip the next phase, which is the autumn and it's the waning moon and it's the luteal phase in our menstrual cycle. So this is the time of wrapping things up, of completing what we started, of, you know, this is when the squirrels gather all of the nuts to prepare to go into hibernation. It's the time, it's like little detail-oriented sort of ticky-tacky things that a lot of us avoid, especially who are junkies of starting and launching. And many, many entrepreneurs and creatives, we are junkies of launching, of, of starting and launching. And well, we start an and launch and start and launch. There's an adrenaline rush. If there's an adrenaline rush, and why do we think that adrenal fatigue is like sweeping women, right? Because we've been taught that we're only valuable if we're starting something or launching something. And then what happens is we start launch, start launch, start launch, and then we burn out and our work actually suffers. And I know this from experience. I am not that strong of a finisher. This is something I have to work on all the time is completing what I started because I love to start things. I am a total springtime baby. Like I was born on March 21st, the first day of spring, the first day of Aries. It's like all spring energy. And so it's very hard for me to slow down. And this is why I wrote a book called Do Less. I wrote this book for me. Um, so in case anyone's listening and things like, well, easy for you to say this must come easily. It does not. It does not come easily for me. I have to remind myself every day. This um, energy of the waning moon, the luteal phase, autumn, I call it in a project, the um, culmination. It's when we are bringing it home. Uh, it's the cozy sweater weather. Yeah. It's the getting your T. It's the crossing your T's, dotting your I's. So that is a super, super important time. And most of us completely ignore the winter energy and the autumn energy. And over time, our bodies suffer and our work suffers because it's the, you know, coming back around. It's the same thing as freaking saying like, write your book in three days. Exactly. No, it doesn't have depth. Well, there's no substance. Exactly. How do you get it? It's like, oh, like basically take your life's work and all of who you are and who you've become in the last however many years and just bang it out, bang it out in like 72 hours. Like, yeah. I mean, of course, it depends that. on the type of book, right? Like, I've written like a webinar workbook sure. in that amount of time, right? Sure. Or like, you know, or, or like a, a bunch of blog posts put together. Like there's certain sure. things you there's could like, we, Right. We have to loosely define book because yeah, we have to decide what you mean by are book. getting really creative about what a book's are nowadays. It's and true. Just, I'm just like old school. Like I like to hold right. the thing in my hand, like, you know, but something exactly. that somebody said, cause you were just talking about completion and I can't remember if it was, I think it was Alison Burt who said something about sometimes in this, cause I think everything you're talking about 
definitely applies to your professional life and work and stuff, but also to your personal life and how we are in relationships. And one of the things she was saying is that sometimes um, it's okay to let a relationship be complete. I'm so glad you brought that up. That really brings something up for me. That, that when we have all these odds and ends, whether they are relationships, projects, whatever, like halfway finished, you know, meals sitting on a plate on your kitchen counter, whatever, like that is so energetically draining. So the culmination phase is about bringing things to a close so you know that your time and energy is no longer needed there. You have completed it and so that you can fully direct your time and energy elsewhere. And but, that, that is so powerful. Yeah, and I think women feel bad sometimes about this. And, and I just talk about it like in A Course in Miracles, we talk about it like different levels of teaching. And we say there are people that will like come into your life and they'll be there for three minutes, like at the grocery store and you have an interaction. It's all a holy encounter. You know, when you meet anybody, it is a holy encounter and how you see them and treat them is how you see and treat yourself, right? And then there's like the second level of teaching where somebody might be in your life for three days, three months, three years, whatever. You learn everything you can from each other. And then it's meant to do this. Mm -hmm. It's meant to be complete. And then you have your third level of teaching who are either the people you love, marry, are born into a family, or they're your total ball buses, right? And, And they like just make you crazy because they're here to teach you the places where you need healing. But women sometimes, I think, have a hard time. So many women are like, yeah, like, I'll get a text from them, and I'm like, eh, and I just, eh, and, I just, and I'm like, well, why don't you just wrap up that friendship? Like, why don't you allow it to have its season? Like, why don't you allow it to say, like, and it doesn't have to be weird, And but women get so weird around ending things or completing things in that well, way. You know, it's so true. And I think that when I have ended relationships or ended versions of relationships, because sometimes like the relationship can continue, but not in the way it's mm -hmm, not in the way you're doing it. What I have found a hundred percent of the time is that when a relationship is no longer working for me, it is also no longer working for the other person, even if they're not conscious of that fact. And even if they don't want to accept it or admit it. And sometimes you both, you ever break up with somebody and you both still love each other so much, but you just know it's time to end. And you're like, but I love you. And it's like, I know I love you, but we can't keep doing this. And then it's just like, you just know it has, it has had its season. Yes. Yes. It has had its season. And and then it's time for winter to take the pause. And then start something new. Like it's the only way that we can have full expression, full creative expression is when we allow things to end and then we pause and then we allow for something else to come. You yeah. know, it's, it's like, um, and listen, people can do relationships however they want to do relationships. And there were certainly times when I hopped out of one relationship right into the next one. But there were also times when that, the, the hanging out by myself in between was really critical. And that fertile void, um, whether it's between projects, you know, like I'm not going to go right out. Like the day my book got published, I didn't start writing another book now because for my particular season of life, that's not appropriate. And my season of creativity, I'm not saying it, someone's bad if, if they do that, but for me, it's not right right now. Um, and I think that if we can learn to honor that space in between the standing in the hallway, like you said, we get 
See, here's the problem. When we're trying to skip that phase, skip the living in the question, skip the winter, skip the pause, we don't get the gift. We miss the gift. A hundred percent. And I, I, was, I just got so excited. I was almost about to interrupt you. Burnt. Um, so first of all, I was saying a double amen to everything. People at home, I always, I always talk to people at home. I had like both hands up. I was doing double amen on what Kate was saying. But I think one of the things is, is that people um, don't like to be in the hallway and they don't like to be in that unknown because it's so uncomfortable. And one of the things I keep telling people is it is time to grow the fuck up and get comfortable with being uncomfortable because it's like Joseph Campbell has said this, like the hero's journey. And it's basically like the treasure that you seek is in that dark cave that you fear to enter. Like you gotta go in there, like you gotta do it. Like that's where it is in the unknown, but we're so afraid, like we want guarantees. It's like, you know, it's like anything. If somebody's going to invest in your membership program, your amazing membership program, you know, it's like, look, you've got to, you've got to sometime take these leaps of faith into the unknown, be uncomfortable, stretch yourself. Like we can't all have it. And um, I'm trying to think of who said it. Oh, it's a writer, but he says, um, if you want, he says, uh, I'm going to flub it, but basically the heartbeat of it is if you want guarantees in life, then you don't really want life. Yeah. You want this written thing that basically says it's all going to work out. But I can tell you as firsthand experience, it's in the places of my deepest grief, my most tragic moments, those places where I was brought to my knees that I was like, well, since I'm on my knees, I might as well stay here and just pray for a while. Yeah. And then I'll get back up and like do it. But I would not be who I am without those times of the unknown and the darkness. And it's like, once you're in the darkness and you get out of the darkness, then you have a field that you have a map to help other people too. Mm -hmm. We can't avoid the uncomfy. Kate? No, we cannot. And I don't know about you. I mean, you've been to some places that I obviously have not been to and your listeners also have not. Um, but we all have encountered our own darkness. And I will say, like, having been in excruciating scenarios, um, knowing that, like, I made it out, right? Oh. Knowing that, so then it becomes less scary the next time because it's like, okay, this really sucks and this is brutal. And I have evidence that I went through some tough shit before and I made it out just like we never worry that it's going to be springtime after it's going to be winter. We know spring is coming. It just might take longer than you wished, but it is coming. Mm, especially when you live in New England. Exactly. <laughs> so one of the things that I'm fascinated about, I don't know if anybody asked you this question. If it's off limits, you can always tell me it's off limits. So I remember like when I was in LA, uh, I was in LA uh, at the beginning of the self-help movement. And it was like Marianne's, Marianne Williamson, her books were coming out. Ayanla Van Zandt, Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, all the people, right? And then I knew of your mom, obviously, like not, but before I knew you, yeah. that part's the obviously, because your mom was like, I, I'm a book, I would like, lit, like <laughs> consume books, yeah. love books, always in bookstores, books manager of a bookstore one time. Um, and so I was like, oh, and I remember getting that book because I thought, 
I really like, I know why I get a period. I know why certain things happen, but like, I really don't. And my mother died so young. She was 33. I'm like, I don't know, like this whole menopause thing. Like, I don't know what's going to be happening. We're not a culture that freely talks about that. It's not like mm-hmm. I have close aunties and people who are like passing down their w- women wisdom, you know? Yeah. So like, your mom, like in a way was like, oh, she taught me something. She that's got- awesome. And I was like, that's so cool. But, and so here's a different challenge though. And I asked this, I have a few friends who have famous parents. So I'm always like, okay, here you are in the world. I'm coming up, like trying to do your own thing. Yeah. And then there's like this mom, God bless her. We love her. But I'm just saying, this has nothing to do with your mom personally. It's just the weight of growing up with someone who's the expert or who's like well-known or famous. And you guys aren't doing the same thing. Like you are, but you aren't. Samesies, but not. So what is that like if you're able to freely talk about it? Um, Thank you for asking. Um, I love this question. And it's something that nobody ever asks me about. Other than our pediatrician. I went into our pediatrician (laughs) and somehow it came up who my mom is. I don't remember why. And she, she was like, oh, I have a famous mom too. And she goes... How's that been for you? And I just like burst into tears, you know, because yes. sometimes it throws you off guard when somebody like really gets it. It's big, um, man. And it's most big. people, it is big. And I'm so grateful for this question because most people, the way they frame it is, wow, it must have been so amazing to grow up with her as a mother. And so when I'm asked instead, what was it like? It's just so refreshing. And I think that's a great lesson for all of us. Like, Rather than saying, wow, it must be X, Y, Z, reframing to what was that like? Because we literally never know. Um, So thank you for that question. Um, And, you know, it's a mixed bag, totally. I adore my mom. I live seven minutes away from her. Like, I totally moved home to my hometown, A, because I love it here, and B, because, like, I want to be close to my mom so so my kids could know her. You know, I love her. And... um, and I would say, I was this, like, yes. this, <laughs> book, this book has been really cool because it's been this really interesting experience in owning and stepping into my lineage and like, oh, because in many ways, my mom's work is an extension of her mother. I mean, my mother's mother is not famous, but she, Edna, my granny is 90, almost 95 years old. She's she has alive. been bucking. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. She still mows like 40 acres herself. You know, she's out there like she is just, she lives on her own. She's doing stuff. And she has been bucking um, the status quo since she was born. You know, I mean, and so, so she passed on this legacy of, of challenging what it means to be a woman. She wanted to be a park ranger. Uh. Um, but unfortunately, at the time, that was not a possibility for her. So instead she did have six kids, but like in, she would leave all the kids with, um, my grandfather and go out into the woods every Sunday. That was her church. And she like would strap all the kids like in the, in the car and take them all skiing every single weekend. Like she just did motherhood the way she wanted to do it, even though she was a 1950s housewife and it did not look like what anyone else was doing. Yeah. And so my mom was raised by a pioneer and my mom became a pioneer. And so I've realized now, you know, at 36, it took me a while, but it's right on time that like, I get to embrace that this is my lineage and I no longer have to try to prove myself as like 
worthy enough to do my own work. Like I can, I can simply, this is the power of the feminine. I can accept and surrender to who I am, just like you are your mother's daughter. Like none of us get to really choose, although I do believe we chose like on the other yes. side who, who our parents were going to be like consciously, I didn't pick this. And so it, you know, I've done a lot of like trying to over explain why it's okay, because obviously like it's a privilege and I happen to have chosen a career that is same, but different. Like you said, yes. obviously I have had doors open to me that, that others would not have so easily. And I spent a lot of years feeling guilty about that and trying to make up for it. And then I realized that doesn't help anybody. I better just like step into this and just do it because this is what it is. And like it, like if, I don't know if that's making any sense. No, no, no. Like, look it. I, I always say like, what we're going to, we're like, because it's, huh. there's this, two different ways of looking at it. But one is all that, all that static around, um, um, that it's the ego basically yes. getting in the way. So if your spiritual team gave you a famous mom who maybe down the road, when you're trying to launch some goodness into the world and love on some people in the world, you get a leg up who the fuck doesn't want to take that. Like, I just think I look at these people and I'm like, no, 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 you're resisting it because you now have got something to prove. Like, and I totally a hundred percent get, I want to make it because of who I am, not because of who my mom is or my dad is or whatever. I a hundred percent get that. And if you already know who you are, you don't have to deal with that noise. You say, exactly. yeah, my mom's famous. Yeah, she knew somebody at the publisher, blah, blah. But let me tell you something. A publisher is not going to publish a book just because your mom is famous. They, they know the quality and the capacity, especially this day and age. A book is not going to get out there. A program is not going to get out there. You're not going to get asked to speak just because of who your mom is. You have legit earned the right you've owned it like you are showing up fully and i and i and i totally understand that weird little voice in the head it's like, a little bit of both yes it is yeah. and and it's less and less of the like voice of oh god is anyone gonna take me seriously like are they gonna think it's all nepotism like that voice no, has gotten quieter me. and quieter and quieter and then the voice of I'm here to do something has gotten louder and louder. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think some of it just comes with age and I'm really 100%. grateful for age too. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, I'm going to segue kind of into this because I do think there's something about that aging process, which is really also, we can call it, uh, you know, body maturity or emotional maturity, but it's also spiritual maturity yes. and like understanding, like, like, look, you have your own assignment. What if part of the assignment was for you to have that exact mom because your message is so important, right? Like, so I just think like- it There's is a thought. And, and nobody, I have never once heard, I have never, and women can be catty as shit, but I have never once heard any women that I know who we all know equally, like we know, we have, we, we have same circles, right? We, we have a lot of places where we intersect. I've never heard anybody say, oh, it's been easier for Kate because of her mom or- no, you stand on the power of Kate as the perfect light of the world that you are. So I just need you to hear that like straight up from me. And, and look, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm like a Boston kid or a Lawrence Mass kid, right? Anytime I meet anybody, it's always like, what's their fucking story? <laughs> right? So I go to meet you. Like, I remember where we met exactly. And I kept going, I can't wait to meet this Kate chick. Like, this is me in my head. Like, what's her story? Like, what's this going to be like? And just being like, yeah, okay, you know? 
And then I met you and I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't take anybody's word for anything. When people say to me, I'm, I'm always a little suspicious and somebody's like, you're going to love them. And I'm like, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. Like, let me see. Right. I yeah. like to have my, when somebody says to me, you're not going to like them. You shouldn't. I'm always like, let me decide. Right. Let me have the experience myself. So That's I've fair. had nothing but heard wonderful things, experienced wonderful things. Uh, you, you are ballsy and brave and bodacious in your own right. So thank like, you. Yes, you're welcome. And then the thing you've said, I've heard you say it like three or four times in the last few days. Um, you say, it took me a while, but I'm right on time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that people hear this. Um, one of my next podcast episodes is, is called Slow the Fuck Down because everybody's in a rush because they're competing in, comp not, there's a lot of facets to this, but one facet is they're looking at somebody. So somebody's going to look at you, right? Like Amber said this weekend, our friend Amber's like, I looked at Kate and what they were doing and that inspired me. And now she's got all these people who are like being inspired by her and everybody wants to do it. Right. But it's like people forget in this timeline of seasons and life and cycles, they're looking at you five years in 10 years in, however long you've been building your little empire. And they're comparing where they're at and they're like, but I want that. And I'm like, motherfucker, do you know how long that took? Do you know how much work that took? Like we have to be in our own season. Like we have to say like, and, and from a, a creative and a person who like my sweetie, like my sweetie, like goes insane about these shows, like American Idol and, you know, America's Got Talent and the boy. And he's like, cause he's old school rock and roll. Sure. It's like, they haven't put in the time. Like, yeah. they don't know what it's like. They haven't toured. They haven't played in shitty gigs. They haven't. They just wake up. Everybody's got a dream. Everybody wants to be famous. Everybody wants the followers and the friends and the, the, the. But man, you've got to build that stuff. So can you talk about that? Took me a while, but right on time. Mm. Well, I really, you know, I think time is all so relative um, and like, no one gets on their deathbed and says, I wish I had gotten more done and I wish I had <laughs> achieved more. Like that Bronnie Ware wrote a beautiful book, The Five Biggest Regrets of the Dying. And I talk about it in my book and the regrets are like, I wish I had kept in touch with the people who I love. I wish I had given myself permission to live according to my own dreams and expectations instead of according yeah. to other people's. I wish I had like given myself permission to have more fun. I mean, yeah. these are the things. And so I'm very like, I really like to look at my life from the scope of what am I going to think when I'm 85? <laughs> and, and like when I'm 85, I'm going to be annoyed with myself that I felt fat in the bathing suit because I never looked better. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be so happy that I ditched the stupid thing that I didn't want to do anyway, but that would have looked good on my website and instead like hung with my kids or went for a walk with my best girlfriend in my neighborhood, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm just really about quality and um, quality has nothing to do with timing. You can have quality right now, no matter what. Yes. It's like they're delaying their joy. Like, yes. It's like, I'll be happy when, and I always, I call it the, the syndrome, the when I, then I syndrome. <laughs> And it's like, dude, this could be it. And, and I think there's something about being a kid who lost somebody they love. So like I learned really early, like shit changes like that. And of course I didn't have that wisdom at 12. It's taken me some time to like look back and go, hmm, I might want to pay attention to the fact that shit is gone. Like stuff happens like that. Your whole life can change like that. So 
I always say jokingly, my, my, my people always go like, don't say that. But I do. I'm like, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow. Like it could, I could walk, I could leave this conversation, fall down the stairs, crack my head. That's it. Right. So I don't take it for granted. So be yeah. where you are and yep. celebrate where you are and don't be in such a rush to get to some other version. It's like, be the you that you are. Because when I look back to some of the things I'm doing in my life now, and I know I'm sure in your own way, you can relate. It's like, it took weirdo 12, well, I'm still a weirdo, but it took like weirdo 12 year old me and tough 17 year old me and the kid who got herself through college with like nobody helping her figure it out. And the one who moved to LA and the one who, like all those versions of me have gotten me here. Yes. And if I had rushed them, if I didn't let those seasons develop and if I didn't spend time in those, I would not be the package and the person or whatever that, that yeah. I am now. If you rush it, I mean, the, you know, we got to go back to the baby metaphor. If the baby comes out before it's fully gestated, it's not as good. It just, it's harder on a lot of levels. I mean, many babies do great who were preemies, but the truth is many do not. Yeah. And it's really best for it to stay in there as long as it needs to. And that's the same thing with our timing in life. It just takes as long as it takes. Oh my God. So true. And then something else I wanted to bring up. And if you have to go, I swear to God, you just go, look, I get 10 minutes. We'll wrap it up. Okay. But something that you said that I thought was fascinating because I'm not a mom. I don't have human kids. I have a lot of furry kids. Um, I met my sweetie much later in life and we tried. I had three miscarriages. That's a story for another day. Um, but you said something, and I think this is another thing. One of the things that I, I've been doing for a long time as a yoga teacher, um, just because I think I've always been spiritual mentoring, but it just looked different. Like now it's yeah. like more official. But one of the things I always say to moms is like, you know, it's okay to say, like, you can love your kids. And I know almost all moms, not all moms, but most moms love the shit out of their kids. Like they yes. love their kids. Right. And they sometimes want to put them in a closet and shut the yeah. door and walk away, right? But a lot of moms don't allow themselves, I think, to, because they'll have a very different interior experience and, and thing about like what's really happening about, I got a baby hanging off my teat. This yeah. one's crying. Somebody is always touching me with something sticky or snotty or gross. And I just go away. Like, right. Yeah. So women sometimes feel like they're bad moms or it's terrible. And you said something on the stage and I said, I have to ask her about, about this. You said, um, and I just always to finish my point, I would tell my clients, you can love them and admit that they still drive you mental. Totally. But something you said, you said, I was, um, you were traumatized by the birth experience of Penelope, your first daughter. And then you said, um, you were shocked by motherhood. I and was. I was like, Ooh, what does that mean? Like, like I was really, I'm like, I just want to dig in a little bit. Like, what did that, what did that personally like mean to you? Cause I'm sure I, I know there's moms out there and women out there and I just want them to get the real deal because you're a person, don't get me wrong. Moms do so much, especially I mean, stay at home moms. I don't think people appreciate what that's really like. And then moms who actually have to leave their kids and go to work and do so. I don't think people, yeah, single it's hard moms, like, there's so many versions of this, but I just think, as soon as you have another creature that you have to be responsible for, shit gets a little weird. Yeah. So what is shocking? It's shocking to be responsible for the survival of <laughs> another being. And like, I just assumed, I mean, here's what was really shocking about it. And, and I think it's important to talk about this because I just assumed that like, 
I would be this amazing, chill mom. <laughs> like, I just assumed I would be naturally good at it. I also assumed I would love it. Yes. And uh, because I had wanted to become a mother my whole life, so I just assumed when it happened that it You'd would be great. Goods. You'd have it. Yeah. yeah, and I was really wrong. Like, birth <laughs> sucked. And then, and I had also been raised in a very birth positive household. Yeah. I watched every documentary <laughs> about orgasmic birth. I mean, I was prepared for like this ecstatic experience. And, and then it wasn't, and not to say that I love, listen, I love hearing ecstatic birth stories because like, I also <laughs> do believe that that's possible. It just wasn't my experience. Sure. And um, the second one was like a little bit more, but it was still really difficult. And I just like, after that, I was like, I mean, it just has taught me so much about surrender and the fact that we, we do not have control over our circumstances. We only have control over how we respond to them. And so, you know, because I was like, if there was anybody on the planet who was going to orchestrate the perfect birth, it was going to be me. Oh, like, yeah. if we could have oh, what yeah. we wanted based on educating ourselves and being raised in positive environments and like preparing ourselves then I would have been the person who could do it. But because I could not, it means that we cannot, we are not in charge. Like I am not in charge. And, and so, so yes, that's right. what was so shocking to me. I think it was the first time in my life that I hadn't been able to make something, you know, and listen, it took me until I was 33. Now, okay, my parents got divorced and I had various traumas. I mean, but, but it really was the first time that it was like, holy shit. Like I am really not in charge control and but then yet at the same time like i am responsible for this kid yeah. and my life was over because i had no more freedom and yeah then, so i really did lose my mind after i had you talked help. about that you said there was some I really did i i had like i had a few days of um it wasn't full-on postpartum psychosis because I have such a great support system. Yes. But had I had anything off about my marriage or not had my mom come into the hospital or like if something else had been really stressful in my life, I would have probably ended up would've in snapped. a I would have snapped. Um, and so that was also really like, I've also never, I'm a very sane, grounded person. Yes, I had are. never experienced myself losing my mind before. Um, and, then, and then our baby was sick. Way, it was terrifying. It was so terrifying. And then our baby was sick. Um, Penelope was very sick for a while. And so that's also really scary because, you know, you've got a sick kid. So, so, and, and so anyway, like, and then just the sleep deprivation. <laughs> so when you combine all of those things, it was just like, it was shocking. Yes. And, but here's, I think what was so fascinating. And I, and I, I think this is why I always say like, People often will say, would you go back and change this? Would you go back and change that? Would you, do you, and I say, look, I, I, of course, I would always prefer my mother still be alive. Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm self, a little selfish that way. Like, I wish yeah. you was here. However, the way things went down has, you know, I always say my mom's murder, um, the way I lost her, the when I lost her, all those little, little details um, ended up being an incredible gift to my life, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Not at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, looking back on, it, I was like, wow, you know, in some way, I think my spiritual team was like, this is exactly what this kid needs, whether she likes it, prefers it, whatever, this is going to help shape and whatever. Yep. And I think what was so fascinating is in that time when you were um, like, there were so many things that were going on that you couldn't do. 
everything that you used to do before in your business. And you said something that I thought was, and I was like, aha, like, I was like, that's probably part of what the team was like doing in that time. You said you ended up because of everything that was going on, sick baby, the post, all these things that you ended up really scaling back in your professional life. But then you made the discovery that you did half as much and made the same, if not more money, et cetera. So will you just touch on that for a sec? Yeah. Well, I think it just forced me without really thinking about it. It forced me to only to, to cut out the extraneous so fast. It was just like, Oh, that doesn't matter. All of that gone because I only have two hours and then the baby's going to be screaming. And so like, I better get this shit done. And so what I realized is I got so focused on what mattered and everything else fell away. And I had zero time or energy or attention for any drama or wondering about it or thinking about it because I didn't have time. I was so tired and my kid was screaming all the time. Oh my God, God. And so it was just like, I just have to get this done and then like not think about it because we have medical bills to pay and rent and yes. our team. So it just, we just had to get it done. And so I'm so grateful for not having had any extra bandwidth to overthink it because I just like it, you know, everything crystallized and it was just like, zoop, you know, like you do, right? You're, zoop. it just got so clear. <laughs> this is what I'm going to do. And I didn't think about it. I just did it. And then it was only in retrospect when I had more breathing room, when I had more space that I was like, oh, this is what happened. And the brain does change in motherhood. And I'm sure there are other circumstances in our lives that change it in similar ways, whether you're caring for an aging parent or whatever. But literally there's an area of our brain called theory of mind, which is the area that allows us to realize that it's possible for somebody else to be thinking or experiencing something different than we are. And that area of your brain, when you become a mother, shrinks. Fascinating. So to me, that meant, now I'm extrapolating here, but to me, that meant like, you extrapolate, Kate. I'm extrapolating because (laughs) becoming a mother makes you not give a shit about what anyone else thinks or needs other than your kid. You, because you be, it's like, it is, it's that fierce, like tigress, like, like, it's like, and I always think about that. Like my mother was like really like clear about these are my kids. And there was that, like that fierce energy that I loved. And in two things that you just said, I was like, there's a quote that I love and I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically like simplicity is getting rid of the unnecessary so that the necessary may speak. Yeah. That was it. And it's just like a thing. And then one of the other things you said that I think is really, you said, all right, look, you said a lot of shit yesterday. And I was like, oh my God, I want to talk about it. And you're probably like, I got to go feed. Like I got to go take care of something. But, I do have to go in five minutes, but I love right. this so much. I'm like, would do this all day. Like seriously, I can talk to you for like three hours. So here's the thing though. You said something and I think it's so powerful for the listeners to hear. You said I had been, I had been rushing myself out of my power my whole life. Yeah. Mm. Mm. like we like like people people this book do less i'm gonna read the subtitle right a revolutionary and it is a revolutionary approach to time and energy management right the energy piece is so important my meditation teacher eknatha schwaren you know is is always talking about he has he has like an eight point program an eight step program but number three is slowing down And he talks about how a hurried mind is actually a mind that is not very effective. 
And it's like not just bringing the body to a place of rest, but bringing the inner life to a place of rest. And A Course in Miracles says the voice for God comes to the quiet mind. Mm -hmm. And so for always like doing this, like you said, I rushed myself out of my own power my whole life. And then the last thing, and if you have something to say on that, you, you can, but the last thing I really like, I was like, oh, oh, when I heard this, you were talking about, and I remember this as a little kid. I, if I could have crawled back inside of my mother, I would have, but like, I always wanted to be like touching her on her lap, like close to her. And you said you had this moment, and I think this is a beautiful way to end. You had this moment where you said, um, if my body like, could be home to my girls, my body could become, because I think there's a reclaiming that has to happen when you're a mom, right? My body could be home to me. So can you just touch on that a tiny bit? Yeah, I mean, this one hits really close to home for me because I had like, if I had been diagnosed, it probably would have been diagnosed as like fairly a real thing of attachment issues with my mom, like I would, I mean, every time she would leave for a trip, I would haul at the ground and beg her to stay like Double in amen hands. hysterics, right? Yes. And then, I mean, up until I was 16 years old, I went away for a summer program. I couldn't call her for the entire trip because if I had heard her voice, I wouldn't have been able to make it. I... <laughs> totally know exactly so, what you're saying. Like I had this experience, you know, a lot of it was because my mom worked a lot and I didn't get the amount of time I wanted with her. And you obviously did not get the amount of time you wanted with your mom. And it doesn't matter why. It's different way. It's, it, it was just this like desperation. Ugh. It was a desperation. And so my mom was home for so long. And then, and I, I was late to individuate. I mean, it took me until like my late, mid twenties to be like, wait a second. Like she doesn't know everything. I mean, it took me, I was like, wait, what? I mean, everyone else realized that when they were 16, <laughs> but it took me an extra decade. <laughs> but you were right on time. I Kate. was right on time right for on time. me. I was a late bloomer in that way, in a perfect way. And so I remember, I just like, remember when I became a mother and especially I have to say with my second with Ruby, because she is such a mama's girl, but not in a, um, she doesn't have an attachment issue. She also loves her caregivers, but she just like loves to be on my body. And I just was been like, yeah, like my body is home to them. Surely it is made up of the same things that it can be home to me as well. And we all have that. Like we all have that male, female, doesn't matter if you've had kids, doesn't matter what you identify as. Like we really... And, and you talked about like the remothering or the mothering of our friends and, and the way that we can bring that energy in because there is so much, there are so many ways that our mothers have left us. So many ways. Yes. And so we have to, have to, have to commit to being that home for ourselves. And we all have that right with inside us. And Kate, I really feel like that um, this book is definitely a book that mothers its readers. I think it's a beautiful mm. gift that you're putting out into the world. And uh, I remember somebody once saying to me, um, your, 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 your children about me, he said, your children will be your books. And mm. that's what you're going to like share with the world. And I really do believe that this is such a powerful book um, and it's going to help so many women come home to their bodies and start to look at, learn from and love their bodies. Yeah. And, and this connection to the larger, um, just 
mother earth like all the mother that there is this book is a motherfucker case this book is it like it's so great and you guys at home you have to buy it. that's all i'm saying like take take my word people say don't take my word for it i'm like no take my word for it go get the book and um we i gotta let her go i'm sorry you guys she's awesome i know but she's got shit to do in the world we gotta let her do it we've had our season right now maybe we'll have her back another time like, thank you so much. Uh, and also I want to say too, because Alicia, if you're listening, we love you. I had so much fun at the summit watching you two, like little schoolgirls, cackling, laughing behind me the whole weekend. And I kept turning around, A, because I'm wicked. I won't call it nosy. I will call it curious. I love that. And I kept going like, I want to be laughing with them. What are they doing back, man? I was just like, kept looking back at you two were like, hee, hee, hee. Like you crack each other up. Like you're so blessed. To have this sister from another missa, right? Very sweet. Uh, in your life. But so, so thank you, Alicia, for helping us hook this whole thing up, get things organized. But um, thank you for coming on the show, on the Karen Kenny Show. I loved getting to talk to you. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. And so just keep going out there, being you, doing amazing things. And will you tell them just how they can reach you? Um, what If you have any projects that you're launching, anything super cool. I know you have the amazing podcast, but just let my listeners know mm -hmm. how they can get in touch with you. Yeah. So um, come listen to the Kate and Mike show. I mean, obviously you're a podcast listener. So, so hop on over to the Kate and Mike show. We'd love to have you listen in. And then also you can find me at katenorthrop.com. I have a, a little freebie, which is, um, which is a, a quick practice. It takes about 11 minutes. That's going to save you two hours a day if you do the practice once mm -hmm. a week. Um, so check that out at katenorthrop.com. And is Origin, you only open that once a year? Do I have that Couple right? times a year. Couple times a year. So, um, Where are we you, in the cycle of that? Where are we? Um, well, I don't know. It depends on when this goes live. <laughs> yeah, well, probably like May, probably. Okay, so I we're doing a quick opening until May 6th, and then we'll probably do a quick opening again in the fall. Okay, awesome. You guys go check them out. She's amazing. Her and her husband have a great podcast. And Kate, I'm just so happy we're getting to know each other more and more and becoming friends. And it's just a, a total honor, a happy honor uh, to do parts of my life in seasons and cycles with you. It's been a blast. Thank you, Karen. I so appreciate it. I appreciate you too, hon. Bye. Bye. guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show <laughs> i super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that i shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours i'd love to hear about it so please tag me on facebook or instagram or ig stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.